0: Good morning, Grace. Thank you, worship team, for leading us so beautifully uh, through the Lord's prayer—the prayer that Jesus taught His disciples—and um, thanks for allowing us the time to really soak it in and meditate on these words and to pray through them. I love the time to do that and. Uh, to to pray God's word back to him in song and in praise. Um, Let's let's open our word uh, in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, uh, we do praise you for your word, and we do ask that you would teach us through it, help us to pray, help us to grow in prayer and to grow closer to you in prayer as we pray Examine these habits of grace and try to put them on in increasing measure. Help us to do these things only by your spirit. And in Jesus' name, amen. So we are in the, the third week of our summer series uh, entitled The Habits of Grace, How Do We Grow? Uh, and this week our topic, uh, as you could tell by now, is Prayer. And uh, I just want to say right from the get-go that prayer is a very broad topic. And I felt like we could make this our next summer's uh, entire series just on prayer. There is so much to it. And I am no prayer guru. Uh, I, I, am, I am young and weak in prayer. That's, that's how I feel. And uh, my, my prayer life is still developing. I'm excited about that. Uh, I, have, I have benefited from uh, others in this regard and God's word. Um, In preparing for my sermon, um, I've been in a book uh, for a little while now and that I would heartily recommend to uh, any of you if you haven't read it. It's by Tim Keller and uh, uh, the title of it, write this down, Prayer. I love him for his simplicity, you know, why complicate things too much, right? But it has been rich for me. Uh, He draws on a lot uh, of scripture and uh, great uh, men and women of faith uh, with great wisdom and insight and clarity, uh, and I would really recommend that to you. Uh, And uh, you might hear echoes of that here and there this morning. Um, To begin, I wanna start with a little thought experiment. I want you to think of your best and most mature human relationship. Your best and most mature human relationship, be that with a, a friend or a family member, a spouse. I want you to ask this question. First, an obvious one, and then maybe one that's on the flip side. Uh, question How deep would my relationship be with this person if I were never to talk to him or her? Right? But I want to ask a second question. How deep would my relationship be with that person if I was the only one who did the talking? How far would that relationship go? Thinking back to courting my wife, if I had been the only one yakking away, never listening to her feedback, input, ideas, figuring out who she is. You could never have much of a relationship, right? When you talk about prayer, that's usually, you know, that's the obvious starting point, right? Prayer is talking to God. So, yeah, prayer is talking to God. Duh, Christianity 101, right? Well, what if we tried to grow in our relationship with God by only praying? I want us to think about this because last week, as Randy preached on the importance of the word in our life, and how he encouraged us to grow beyond just people who handle the word to becoming people who are handled by the word. He gave us some practical suggestions, and he brought prayer in, and I'm so glad because it's just like he's passing me the baton here. He says, when we come to the word, we need to pray and ask for three things, that God would teach us through his word, that he would give us life through his word, and that we would not wander from his word. So this week, I wanna look at the flip side of that, Just as we can't grow closer to God from reading the word without prayer, neither will we grow significantly by praying apart from the word. You see, the word and prayer form a communication loop. Okay, let's teach my students. Communication is always two-way, right? It's never just one way. And so, like all of the habits of grace that we're gonna encounter this summer, they are interdependent. Prayer and the word are mutually interdependent. Uh, as our, one of our elders, Scott Rosencrantz, said yesterday, they form a Christian ecosystem. Okay? That's a great picture. Right? All of these things have to be in place for us to flourish. But even though prayer and reading the word are interdependent, that doesn't mean that one that doesn't take priority over the other. It's completely appropriate that we started last week with the word and are now on to prayer and not vice versa. Why is this? If you're like me, too often I think we approach prayer with the attitude that prayer is something that I initiate. Prayer is something that I bring to God. Right? It's my part of the deal, is I have to pray. Well, that's really far from the case if you reflect on scripture, right? We speak to God because he first spoke to us. Eugene Peterson uh, has pointed this out, that God was the very first speaker. His very act of creation was a spoken word. And Because we're his creatures, just like a little child who is learning to babble and then talk and form sentences, he says this, all speech is answering speech. We were all spoken to before we spoke, and so then to grow in prayer and to grow in God, we must come to terms with what he calls the overwhelming previousness of God's speech to ours. The overwhelming previousness of God's speech to our prayers, and so when we go to prayer, we need to think of prayer as a response. Prayer is a conversation that has already started with God being the initiator. And that is why meditation on God's word, his revealed will must be at the center of becoming transformed by the renewing of our minds as we just sung and as it comes from Romans 12. It's the essential part of putting on Christ. It's also just very practical. I asked uh, my, my son, my oldest son this week, and my wife, what, what's hard about prayer? What, what's, what do you find difficult about prayer? My son said, sometimes it's just hard to find the right words. My son gets he sometimes gets performance anxiety and we'll be praying and he'll start in on a prayer and he'll just kind of, yeah, he'll just bail. And, you know, <laughs> it's okay. Right? He's he's trying to form godly speech but he's, you know, so self-conscious. My wife, you know, what, what what's your biggest struggle? Yeah, mind wanders, right? Can anybody testify? You know, you start off in prayer and then all of a sudden you're to what you need to do at the store. Right? Are your errands you need to run, or that worry? The word of God tethers us, doesn't it? And it it handles both of those things well. It gives us the word, it teaches us how we are to speak to our Father. And if we have the word in front of us, it helps to keep us on point, on, on task. So this morning, we're gonna talk about what prayer is and its purpose, it's through the word we learn these things, and then how to do it. Okay, those are the two, two main parts of this sermon. What it is, what's its purpose, and, and, and how do we do it according to his word. And, and, and by the end of the sermon, I want us to look at some scripture and be informed by it and maybe look at how we might do that. So I want to start off by, by stating what is unique about Christian prayer. Not just prayer in general, but, but Christian prayer. Um, I don't assume that everybody in here is you know, a, a long time attender necessarily or, or is even a believer. You might be visiting for the first time. We wanna welcome you. We want you to feel uh, very welcome among us and my guess is that prayer is one of those things that most people in the world, if not all, believer or unbeliever, has attempted at some point. Right? There are no atheists in foxholes. You've heard that, that hackneyed expression. You know, somebody, everybody at some point has sent up a prayer to God. So it's something that everybody, I think, has probably tried once, but what does it mean to be engaged in Christian prayer? We need to confront the uh, misconceptions about prayer that come from the culture around us, perhaps even Christian culture. So first, what, what prayer isn't? Because we've already noted the previousness of God's word and God's speech uh, in prayer, we see that Christian prayer then is quite different from other religions, particularly Eastern religions or New Age uh, spirituality, uh, because they take an entirely mystical and wordless approach to prayer. Um, Buddhism, for example, asks prayer, uh, when you're praying and meditating, to empty your minds of rational thought. But the Bible teaches that in meditation and prayer, what you're doing is you are filling your mind with God's thoughts. You are are putting content in your mind uh, as it says in Psalm 1, right? The thing that characterizes the believer, according to R.C. Sproul, is meditation on God's word. That's the Christian life, is meditation on God's word. Constantly drawing on it as Randy said last week, drinking it, eating it, and then chewing it, savoring it, so that we can know who God is, who we're talking to, and what he wants us to pray for, and also to enjoy him, to experience the joy of prayer. Uh, even Paul in the New Testament, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, chapter 14, he's talking about prayer and worship, and he says, I would rather pray with my mind than just in my spirit. In other words, there's gotta be a rational, sober content to our prayers. So prayer is then not merely the Christian equivalent to sending good thoughts, right? Sending positive vibes. Has anybody heard that or <laughs> expression? I, I, it's to the point now where I hear it almost bi-monthly uh, from, from someone. Um, and I get it. It's, it's, it's actually born out of something that God has put in us, I think, there's, there's sympathy, there's concern for another. You're, you're, it's, it's at least outward, right? It's for the sake of someone else, and, and it's, it, it gives evidence to the fact that we want to do something, right? We want to help change people's realities in some way. Now, I don't know how sending positive thoughts and vibes actually would do that. 20 years ago, I actually, though, met a person who explained that. Um, I, I, I actually don't have time to tell that story, unfortunately, but if you're interested, Talk to me later, I'll, I'll tell it. It's hysterical, especially in light of the situation we were in and the aftermath that followed. Um, but, so prayer isn't just that, but it's also not a, a narcissism, a, a kind of a introspective self-talk, right? Uh, a, a way that we can just uh, visualize, right? A visualizing exercise uh, to reach our full potential, Right? Or Or worse, uh, tap into some kind of uh, you know, personal deity you know, uh, deification of self. Okay? That's not the Christian view, obviously, because God is the object of prayer. And it's certainly not as the atheist would have us believe wishful thinking. prayer is just wishing things were different, or uh, worse, a one-sided conversation with our imaginary friend, which is crazy, right? No, according to Christianity, prayer is personal, but it's to the God who is there. It's to the tri-personal God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who is actually there listening to us. Now, brothers and sisters, we can't be arrogant and all high and mighty (laughs) towards those who don't have the Christian view of prayer prayer because uh, I suspect we often... uh, misapply and misappropriate, uh, misappropriate the gift of prayer within our own circles. Consider how often, if you've ever been in a, in a meeting or a situation where um, you decide to pray over something, and really that praying over is just a, a, a way to ratify what you've already made up your mind you're gonna do, wh- whether it's wise or not, of God or not. See, we often treat prayer even to the living God, as simply a means to get things that we want, and by that I mean material goods and comforts and new circumstances and situations, and sometimes we'll even pull words out of scripture, out of context to do so. As James 4.3 puts it, we ask and we don't receive, why? Because we ask wrongly, so that we may spend it on our passions, to live a worldly lifestyle. And isn't this what Satan tempted Jesus to do in the wilderness? And isn't this the way he did it? He used God's very words and said, Jesus, ask for this. Hasn't God said this? Ask for it. You see, there's even a risk in regularly reciting scriptural prayers. Even the Lord's prayer, as we did so beautifully this morning through song, the danger is if we come to regard the mere reciting of these things as efficacious because then we reduce them to a set of incantations or magical words that will just bless us, as, as Alan Gomes likes to say, magically. If, if we just say it correctly, if we just pronounce the Latin properly, right? Wingardium liviosa, okay? No, you're not saying it properly, okay. no. When we do this, we treat God like he's a genie in a bottle, or worse, a a cosmic slot machine, right? Well, we're just supposed to be persistent, right? Be persistent in prayer, be devoted to prayer. Paul says that all all over, over and over. Why am I not getting what I want? So we need to come back to something that Eric Tana said two weeks ago, and that's this. This series is potentially dangerous, why? Because if we don't ground them in the gospel, these things can actually put distance between us and God. And I want to amplify that with respect to prayer particularly. It's not just futile to pray in absence of the gospel. It is unsafe. It is dangerous. Why? Because prayer at its most basic level is this. It's the attempt to garner special Personal attention and gifts from a holy God who doesn't owe us anything. It's the attempt to garner special personal attention and gifts from a holy God who doesn't owe us anything, while we, in our fallen state, are steeped in sin. And a And a holy God, because he is perfect and righteous, cannot tolerate sin in his presence, nor can he respond to it with anything except righteous anger and judgment. So, to make sense of prayer, to really make sense of prayer and to understand it, we have to see the gospel-centeredness of prayer. And I really wanna emphasize that today. We've gotta see the gospel-centeredness of prayer first as the very basis of prayer, as the only way we can pray, but then also to inform how we ought to pray. What is the gospel? It's this, that God's own son, Jesus, suffered the Father's wrath and righteous judgment against human sin by dying on the cross in our place. And then he rose from the dead. And now, because he is alive and has ascended to heaven, he has sent the Holy Spirit to indwell us so that we can become more and more like him until he returns. Now, that's just a thumbnail sketch, but think about all the ways in which the gospel actually makes prayer possible. We could spend a whole morning just on that, but here are just a few. The fact that Jesus laid down his life in our place, the perfect sacrifice, that's what allows us access into the holy of holies. That's what allows us to come into God's throne room. Not as guilty enemies, but as adopted sons and daughters, as his children. And he's poured out his spirit in this age so that we cry, Abba, Father, in the spirit of adoption and sonship, as it says in Galatians. We can pray to God as a generous Father. Christ rose from the dead. He's alive. We pray to a living God, a literally living God. Yes, Christians have this crazy idea that Jesus literally, bodily, physically rose from the dead 2,000 years ago. And he lives, and he is in heaven, and he will come back. God came near. God proved once and for all to humanity, I'm here, I'm real, and you can trust me. Hebrews 7 puts it this way. He, Jesus, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus, right now, is praying at the right hand of God the Father in heaven for us you feel weak in prayer, just remember, God spoke to you first. <laughs> He's still teaching you, maybe through baby talk. <laughs> We're all baby talking to him. But guess what, Jesus is praying. We're gonna look at that a little bit. So when we come to God, we don't come in our name. The only thing we bring to God is our sin, and we put our faith and trust and hope in what Christ has done. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. If you want a real quick practical tweak to your prayer life, here's one from Fred Sanders' book uh, on the Trinity, The Deep Things of God, How the Trinity Changes Everything. This this has really helped my my prayer. We always end prayer with, in Jesus' name, right? In Jesus' name. Is that like the magic words? No. (laughs) we got to we got to really think about that and so what uh, Fred suggests we do is invert that how about start all your prayers with in Jesus name start your prayers in Jesus name to remind yourself the seriousness of what you're doing the costliness of what you are doing and what it is that Jesus did to make it possible When you come in Jesus' name, you are putting before your mind the fact that Jesus has gone to great lengths to bring you to God, as it says in 1 Peter. So what is prayer then? What is prayer? Uh, The Westminster Catechism, question uh, 98, puts it this way. Prayer is the offering up of our desires to God in the name of Christ, by the help of the Spirit, with confession of our sins and thankful acknowledgement of his mercies. It's the offering up of our desires to God, laying all of our inward stuff before him, even the ugly stuff. In fact, especially the ugly stuff. Why? Because we can find mercy in him, in the name of Christ, and in the power of his Holy Spirit. Prayer is the daily practice of dependence on God's goodness and grace, both for this life and for eternal life. It's a great quote I heard this year, uh, this this week uh, at House of Prayer. Somebody, uh, I can't remember who, who quoted it, but it was this: "When man works, man works. When man prays, God works." We are dependent beings. We are dependent on our, on our creator to initiate the conversation with us and to sustain us. Prayer is a synchronizing of our hearts with God's, synchronizing our thoughts, our desires, our emotions, our will to God's. Prayer reveals our priorities. To grow in faith is to make God's priorities my priorities, to be about my father's business and not just my own, to make my business my father's business. And the ultimate purpose of prayer is to be filled with the love of Christ and to find rest and joy in God himself. That is the goal of all of the habits of grace. It's to be filled with the love of Christ and to find rest and joy in God himself. Tim Keller puts it this way. Prayer is the way to experience a powerful confidence that God is handling our lives well and that our bad things will turn out for good, our good things, our truly good things cannot be taken from us and the best things are yet to come. Prayer is our way of entering into the happiness of God himself. Doesn't that sound joyful? <laughs> how many of us struggle in prayer because we don't find joy in it? Do you ever feel like I just I'm, I'm trying to pray, but I don't have any enjoyment? Yeah. Maybe we need to. Maybe we just need to do it longer <laughs> until we get there and ask God to be patient. So, how then should we pray? How should we pray? Um, I want to start this this second part, last part, uh, with a quotation from J.I. Packer. Uh, In his book, Knowing God, uh, he talks about our spiritual growth, and he says, what we pray about is at the center of that. He says, we must learn to measure ourselves, not by our knowledge about God, not by our gifts and responsibilities in the church, but by how we pray and what goes on in our hearts Many of us, I suspect, have no idea how impoverished we are at this level. Let us ask the Lord to show us. I want us to go through some scripture. Let us ask the Lord to show us, through his word, where we are impoverished. Where am I impoverished in prayer, and where do we need to grow? Father, in Jesus' name, we praise you for your word. We praise you that you came near so that we could draw near to you. We ask you to teach us through your word, that we would learn marvelous new things about you, that we would see ourselves for who we are, help us to grow in prayer, help us to become more mature. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to look at a passage in Hebrews chapter four. I'm just gonna put it on the overhead here. You can turn there if you like. Hebrews chapter four, verses 12 through 16, um, starts off with a familiar verse about God's word and then it goes in an interesting uh, place that I don't know that I'd ever noticed before, uh, before I was thinking about these things, but it encapsulates a lot of the things we've been talking about already, okay? So just let, let, let's read it together here. You can follow along on the overhead or, or, or in your Bibles. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature, no creature, Is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Now let's pause there. (laughs) Let that sink in. A holy God shows us how naked (laughs) and unprotected we are through his word. That sounds like bad news, doesn't it? That sounds frightening. But listen to what comes next. Some of you may remember the series we preached through Hebrews, and so the context of this is Christ, our great high priest, our once and for all sacrifice, the priest who sacrificed himself to satisfy the righteous requirements of the Father. And the writer of Hebrews goes on to say, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Do you hear the gospel in that? Do you hear how God's word enables us to open ourselves to him in prayer? And do you hear the invitation to approach God to ask him for that which we need? The question is, what do we really need? (laughs) What are the things we are to pray for? Well, we'll get there in a moment. We might all be familiar uh, with a, a, a memory aid uh, that's often used to, to help us remember, well, what should I pray for? How do I, how do I stay focused and all that? Uh, some of you might have learned this uh, in school or in Sunday school or, or, or at some point in your life. Acts, you've heard of, how many of you heard of this? Okay, Acts, yeah. Um, uh, others prefer, they're, uh, would, would prefer a, a rearranging it. You can also go with cats if you're a cat person, okay? Put confession first, that's fine. Okay, uh, you, you, might, you might need to confess uh, some sin, right? If I had cherished sin in my heart, as the psalmist said, you would not have heard me, okay? Don't go to God cherishing that sin. Lay it out there, right? But this is a good, a simple memory aid, but at first service I said mnemonic device. That means memory. Somebody heard, somebody in the, in the congregation heard demonic device, uh, and, and that's not, no, no. Came up to me afterwards. Is he demonic? No. Um. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Uh, Supplication, of course, meaning asking for things, right? Uh, And that's the one we probably don't have as hard a time with, maybe, right? We very easily ask for things. The question is, do we ask for the right things? But think about this. Think about a couple of things. Number one, do you see all of this at the heart of the Lord's Prayer that we just went through? We see this as a pattern for prayer, as kind of a prayer template that we see in prayers throughout scripture. And then think about where am I weak? Which one of these do I maybe cruise over when I pray? Right? Which one do I neglect? This is where I need to grow. I've been convinced of this, convicted and convinced of this within this last year. It's the first one. Adoration, what would my marriage be like if I never took time to adore my wife? If all I did was ask her for stuff and never told her how wonderful she is, how virtuous, how lovely, how caring and kind and servant-like she is. That would be a marriage that is not gonna grow and it's probably gonna atrophy and die, right? Maybe you struggle with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving and, and adoration go hand in hand, don't they? Uh, you don't have to pull them apart like that. It's just for the sake of the, you know, the pronunciation, right? Maybe it's confession. Maybe, maybe you don't confess deeply enough. Ask God to show you. Now, here's something I wanna do and, and suggest to we try uh, as a practice, and this might help. This has helped me uh, in my prayer life, or something like it. Again, don't trust formula, trust Christ. Okay? But this would be a way to bring scripture uh, to bear on your prayer life. Think about taking this simple device, acts or cats, and going through it with a passage of scripture. With a passage of scripture. So let's back up. Let's look at this passage on Scripture. First of all, what does it tell us about God? How does it reveal His character? What character traits of God do we see in this passage that we can adore, that are worthy of adoration? God, you have spoken, and you have spoken completely. You are so great that your very word is living and active. You're the most amazing being I've ever encountered. Confession. When I I read that that Christ has been tempted in every way and yet is without sin, wow. I was tempted and I fell just yesterday or 30 seconds ago. Father, forgive me, but I praise you that Jesus is without sin because without him, I'm sunk. Thank you. Thank you for his sacrifice. Thank you that your throne is no longer a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace where I can find mercy. And then think about what do I need? (laughs) What what does this passage tell me that I need? I need confidence. Lord, I wasn't coming coming to your word with confidence this morning. I was doing it just kind of I know I'm supposed to. Lord, give me confidence. Give me boldness as it as it talked about at the church in Acts, when they were starting to be persecuted. Where Stephen was martyred, and what did they do? Lord, change our circumstances. No, give us boldness. Give us boldness to share the gospel. We're gonna double down. Father, help me double down. Give me confidence in your word. Just a, a, a simple exercise like that, thinking about all, all, the thing, all the ways we need to express our desires to God, our adoration, our confession, our thanks, and our supplication. So what do we pray for? I, I want to give you guys a, a, a kind of a homework assignment this week. It will not be graded, so don't, I know, all, all you try-harders out there, don't be a try-harder, okay? Don't copy down this list and go, well, I'm going to do all of these because then when you don't, you're going to be beating yourself up, putting on your hairy shirt. Don't do that. Maybe just take one. <laughs> these are prayers from Scripture, Okay? These are psalms, the book of psalms is so rich, so varied. All the human emotions are there, even complaining, lamenting, right? God listens to that. But these are prayers uh, from the psalms that are pretty much directly to God the whole way through. Maybe pick one or two and and pray through them. Meditate through them using acts or cats pray God's word back to him. He loves to hear it. I was thinking about this yesterday. One of the most precious phrases I love to hear my children say is, Dad, I remember you said something. Any fathers, does that resonate with you? Uh, you know, sometimes it's a setup for something. Um, you know, they're gonna try to trap you, <laughs> okay? But, but it's precious, because they're listening, And if you told them something and they're listening to it and they, it, it expresses they trust you, right? God loves to be asked. He loves to hear that. So pray his words back. Um, in the New Testament here, uh, Bible study group of guys, we spent weeks on Ephesians chapter three verses 14 through 21. Paul can't help himself. He just bursts into prayer in the middle of his epistle. And as you read, these are Pauline prayers, and, and, and the last one, 2 Peter, that's actually not a prayer, but maybe pray through it with, with the Acts thing. It tells all of the things we, we need to add to ourselves to grow. And be a good, good uh, preview to our to, to continuing on in 2 Peter uh, in the fall. But Paul's prayers, look at what Paul prays for. Ask yourself, what does Paul pray for? And then set that next to what do I usually pray for? <laughs> I'm gonna boil it down for you. I did a study of Pauline prayer years ago and it, was, it just hit me between the eyes. Paul, in general, prays for three things. Three, three things characterize Pauline prayer. Number one, he gives thanks. He always gives thanks, right? That's his favorite phrase, I always give thanks. That is great, we should always give thanks, a friend of mine sent me uh, words from a commentator uh, looking at a prayer in, in, on Thanksgiving in, in uh, Thessalonians. We rob God when we fail to give thanks. We rob God of the honor due his name. It's great. So what does Paul pray for? He, he gives thanks. Second thing he prays for is that the gospel would go forth. And he prays it in various ways and in various places. Sometimes it's geographical right, that it would go forth in Judea, okay, that we would not be prevented, okay, that I would be bold, but it's, it's gospel-centric. His prayers are gospel-centric, and we need to make God's values ours. And then the third thing, he prays that all believers everywhere would be filled with the love of Christ and strengthened in faith, Prays for other, we, we pray for ourselves and we pray for others. As John Piper puts it, he says, I like to pray in concentric circles outward. I start with myself, pray for those nearest to me, my friends, my family, my church, my community, and even to the ends of the earth, because this is God's vision. I want to close our time um, with a prayer of Jesus. We started with a prayer that Jesus taught to his disciples. We've been talking today about Jesus as our high priest. And it's only through Jesus that we can approach the throne of grace. So I wanna close with a prayer from John 17, which is often referred to as, as Jesus' high priestly prayer. The night he was betrayed, he's about to go to the cross and he spends hours in prayer. Somebody once preached a sermon and I remember them saying, uh, they were talking about Christ interceding for us uh, at, at the right hand of the Father on our behalf and they said this. "I said, if you could just hear five minutes of Jesus praying for you in the next room, you would never fear anything. I said, yeah, oh, that's great, that's true. Guess what? We know the kind of prayer he'd be praying for us because John wrote it down. It's right here. So here's what I want to do. I'm gonna read just part of this. I'm gonna read the part of Jesus' prayer where he's made the turn from praying for his disciples and now he's praying for all believers who would come to faith through their word. That's us. And you can follow along in your Bibles if you like or maybe close your eyes and eavesdrop. Eavesdrop on God the Son interceding on your behalf to God the Father. Sit in his presence. Listen to his heart. Listen to how much he loves you. Think that your face, your name, was before his mind. Think about everyone in this room before his mind. The whole church of God through through the past and into the future in the mind of Christ while he is praying these words. Listen, listen to our Lord. and let's learn. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so have I sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, I, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me, that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know you, that have, you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known. But the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.